welcome back to Argue With Your Mama, Not Me, a Citizen the Pod mini-series. And I am excited to jump right into the conversation with two phenomenal, and I mean phenomenal women that are doing political consulting work all across this country. I met them a year ago, probably more like a year and a few months ago. Um, But ever since then, we have been working together to just kind of, you know, change the face of democracy uh, all across this country. So I'm going to turn it over to my two guests to introduce themselves. I'll hand it over to Z. Hey, I'm Z. I'm the executive director of Soul Strategies, a political campaigning organization. Hey, I'm Amani. I'm the partner and operations director at Soul Strategies, and I'm happy to be here, y'all. Hey. Hey. All right. So we're going to jump right into this conversation because there is a lot to talk about politically. Um, One, we're a few weeks away from the midterms. For all folks that's not paying attention to politics, that's November 8th. So if you have not requested your absentee ballot, created a voting plan, figured out who's running for office in your state, now is the time to do so. Now, I'm not going to spend all my time with these two ladies going through every state, giving you the rundown on your candidates. But listen, if you can Google uh, when the Jays are coming out, if you could go on Google Flights and figure out your next flight to Vegas or anywhere else, you can take a few minutes to figure out who's running for office in your area. But we will talk Uh, a little bit about some governor's races that are coming up and also just why is this midterm so important? So first, let's start the conversation talking about the January 6th committee. You know, this podcast and the reason why I started this mini series was to kind of talk about the subjects that were going to impact the midterms and the direction this country goes in. Um, so let's start with the January 6th committees. Uh, we talked about a little bit about it on the first podcast um, with my crew from BBPC. But, you know, the insurrection was a real thing. People actually attempted to storm the Capitol because they didn't like what happened um, during the 2020 general election. Joe Biden clearly won that election, probably about uh, a few million votes. And we don't want to disenfranchise voters on either side of the aisle. That's not the goal. Um, If Trump won fair and square like he did when he beat Hillary Clinton, that's different. Um, And actually, I'm going to run that back because winning the Electoral College is actually not winning fair and square, but Mm -hmm. we don't have time to get into that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had our final January 6th committee hearing yesterday, and they ended that surprisingly because I I was actually surprised. They ended that committee deciding unanimously mm-hmm. that they were going to subpoena documents and testimony from Donald J. Trump. Yeah. Now, um, this is somebody who feels like subpoenas from Congress are relevant, and mm-hmm. he doesn't feel that he um, should show up to speak to them. I don't know about all of y'all, but any regular person who decides to dodge a subpoena is pretty much getting thrown into jail. But, you know, the rich and the wealthy and the crazy uh, get an opportunity to skirt those laws. So I'm just trying to get a feel from the, the two awesome ladies that I have on this, you know, podcast today. What are your thoughts on the committee, Donald Trump showing up? Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you think it's going to have any real impact on the midterm elections? Yeah, I have two minds of thinking on it. One of my minds of thinking is 
I'm scared that this is going to galvanize the Republicans because they love turning Trump into some sort of martyr and making him seem like a victim and they have to come out and defend him. So the timing of it could either help us on, on the Democratic side, get more people excited to come out to vote and potentially be excited for the opportunity for this man to go to jail, even though the likelihood of that happening is very slim, slimity slim to none. Because if we're being so honest, like Donald Trump should have been in jail. We have found out about a million illegal things he's done from fraud, from tax evasion, from uh, making a fake university. Um, we're just all forgetting about the documents that he stole that he was selling today in Russia and our enemies. Like the man deserves to be buried under the jail. Will he ever make it there? I'm not sure. And is adding just one more illegal fucked up thing that he's done into his bucket going to make him more likely to go to jail? I, I don't think so. I think we've had enough opportunities and we didn't need this final hearing to tell us what we well and good already knew. So it's nice that people are coming together to say, yes, let's give him the subpoena. That's real cute. It's cute. We'll see what happens from it. Yeah. Very cute. <laughs> I think also this is going to really affect the MAGA Republicans who are running, because I think that regardless of whether what happens with the hearings, I think that they are going to be extremely excited to get out and vote for MAGA Republicans. And that. That's a real issue, I think, because what we're really trying to figure out right now is what direction is the Republican Party going to go in 2024, right? Like that's that's really, I think, the question on most people's minds. And I think we had like a moment with the whole Liz Cheney stuff where we were like, hmm, maybe we could like go back to the old Republican um, that was less frightening. But uh, to be honest, I think that that's like slim to none right now. And that's that's something like as Democrats, we're going to have to really think about for our strategy in 2024, because it is not going to be an easy road at all. Yeah, that's that shit is long gone. I'm glad that you said that, because, yeah, we were talking about this earlier, just as girlies, but we were talking about how the Republican Party has like become so disconnected to like anything real that's happened in this country. Like we have them on national news <laughs> talking about whether there are kitty litter boxes in the classrooms. And this has made it to the national political discourse because somebody said that furries are in the schools and kids are identifying as cats. And now there's litter boxes in the classrooms. That is not real. And the fact that I even know about this theory, the fact that we have people on um, Joe Rogan and uh, Tulsi Gabbard, whatever her freaking name is, that That's lady, I don't like that woman, whatever her name is, arguing on a podcast that millions and millions of listeners listen to each episode with, um, whether or not it's right or wrong to have kitty litter boxes in class. <laughs> we're just not in we're not in a real place anymore and i think when we talk about the future of the republican party and where they're gonna go clearly they're going to dr seuss la la land i don't know where they're going but i'm we'll see we'll see it's getting ridiculous though Tulsi gabber was at one time though a progressive and there was even rumors of her running with bernie on the same ticket so the Which fact that she's gone yeah, she's gone so far the other direction is terrifying. So I totally remember that. She definitely was on the other side of the aisle. Um, but then she got embraced by Trump and decided to jump on the Trump train, I believe. So, 
It's crazy. I haven't heard her name in a while. Um, yeah, since she released that yeah. dang video, like basically denouncing the Democratic Party and saying she's a free thinker now and she's saying all the other free thinking and independent minded Democrats should follow her, which is like, can we, this is a tangent, but can we talk about like what free thinking and independent mindedness even means? Like people use that as an excuse, Kanye and all the others to just say and do dumb shit or just to say and do stuff that goes against the grain and is provocative and is just wrong information it don't be true right real information i mean free thinking but i mean i think and another part of free thinkers that uh, folks aren't even paying attention to that it, like it's really just a guys for I want more attention like like you said I I can say something crazy that doesn't make any sense but as long as it's the opposite of what other people are saying then I'm a free thinker like yeah it's like the absence of truth and now we really live like it's the land of alternative facts like Kellyanne Conway said it like we live in it's not it's not la la land it's the land of alternative facts and you know this hey america you are free to think and believe whatever you want but (laughs) they like to it's easy to manipulate people who don't read books kanye's who don't who don't care about historical analysis or data like the world is still flat and there's no such thing as climate change and kids are now identifying as cats like Kids identify as Barbie dolls, princesses, all type of shit when they're (laughs) kids like that. The land of imagination is their place to be in. But again, like you said, those those free thinkers, boy. And they're going to try to pin that also on the conversation of like what trans means and what. like So it's okay. Because really you're trying to play up the fact that like you're upset that we are starting to. We, we're, we're having real conversations about how exactly. people actually identify. Um, and, you know, then you make it, con- now it's like, now my kid wants to be a cat. I don't know. It's but, not real. And I don't know, how we even get to a place of where January 6th happened or somebody like Trump even becomes president and stays relevant and gets to do all of this stuff is because, unfortunately, we as a society have just let too much stuff slide. <laughs> so I understand like it's a free country that was my point I get it's a free country we're allowed to think and do and whatever we want but um there used to be certain like societal consequences for certain things and we've gotten to the point where everybody wants to just be neutral and just let it's free vibes think whatever you want do whatever you want and that led us to conspiracy theorists storming the capital with helmets guns backpacks um packet Uh, knives and all type of stuff to kill people because we've just let their opinions and their free thoughts and their beliefs run rampant so I think that's like the issue here and that's how we even got to a January 6th it's like yes do what you want believe what you want but when it starts like impeding on people's life and freedoms and when we get to the point where it's just we should shame people more we should bring back shame (laughs) bring back shame (laughs) bring back shame I mean, you're you're spot on. I saw the trend really becoming a big thing when Trump would go to a rally and say that's the that's the politically correct answer or that's the politically correct folks speaking for you. For me, political correctness equals respect and truth. And no, you cannot say anything crazy to me just because 
you like races, you can be as racist as you want now because you don't have to be politically correct. Like mm-hmm. this is about respect at this point. And you should respect me enough not to come out your face crazy. And, and I'm going to politically correctly disrespect you when you disrespect me for saying something crazy. So I, I'm in agreement. This is we've we've gone off the rockers with this whole conversation. Yeah. And it's affecting everything. Like, even if you've looked at like how blatant, like misogyny, incel culture is running rampant. The fact that somebody like Andrew Tate had millions of followers and subscribers where he was literally telling people, hey, if you move to these parts of the world, rape isn't penalized. Like you have people just outwardly telling you, this is how you assault women. This is how you um, degrade women. This is how you can have somebody under your fist. This is how you can abuse a woman and make her still love you. Like giving these men these advice like this on the mass scale. It's just like everywhere around us, the world is like devolving into some shit that I don't recognize. Like 10 years ago, you couldn't just go out into the world and hear men saying out their mouth, like in a public place that they would rape somebody that that would have been absolutely nuts. Like there was this story I was looking at a few weeks ago. Um, it, it was a post that went viral and it was this girl. She posted herself in this outfit and she had on like a skirt and a crop top on. It was just a cute outfit. And so she just took a screen record of all her comments and the compliments are even changing. It's not like, damn girl, you look good. It's I better not see you late at night on the street by yourself. Like those were the type of comments she was getting or you know, just crazy stuff like that. And it was enough of them for her to like post and show just like the way people speak to people as a whole has changed. And it may sound extreme to just tie that all to Trump, but I can just say as somebody who's looking at the world and society as a whole, since 2016, I don't think we get to this point without somebody in such a high ranking piece of government office, the highest office in the land, being so blatantly disrespectful, misogynistic, racist, and not giving a fuck about nothing they're saying and not giving a fuck enough to respect anybody. I think when he normalized a lot of that stuff, it trickled down to every facet of our society. And now we can't even, you can't even compliment a girl no more without saying you want to assault. Like it's like trickled down. Can you give my listeners a little bit more background on who Andrew Tate is? Because maybe they want to like, oh, look at I mean, but you know, like people want to like know like where yeah. the crazy lies. Like, and, yeah. and I know my listeners like they're gonna look, they're gonna look it up. So like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what more to say. Is he a podcaster? Is he on TV? He just maybe like a little, like I don't know where he is. Is like, can we? Do we just Google him? Is yeah, he he's banned now. So he was okay. a podcaster. He was on YouTube. He was on social media. He is like banned from all American social medias now. So his YouTube is banned. His TikTok is banned. His Instagram, Facebook, all of it, Twitter, because he was so um, vile and hateful and abusive towards women. And he was inciting that type of vile, abusive and hateful language towards women from his following. Um, so there's other Red Peel podcasters like that. There's um, okay. even like the Fresh and Fit podcast, like they would always randomly get brought up because they were saying something wildly misogynistic or um, anti-Black or something crazy, even trickling down the stupid ass DJ academics. Like these Red Peel people are everywhere. And that type of language is really becoming the norm, unfortunately. It's very strange, but Andrew Tate was one of the worst ones. And that's why he got like, completely deplatformed like they was like you can't be over here telling people how to rape like that's 
You can't be on our Twitter, TikTok streets doing that, bro. And the fact that it was millions of people following him, millions of people watching this stuff on a consistent basis, commenting under there, taking these notes. That's fucking scary. Well, we got, we listen, we took (laughs) y'all down the street with this conversation, but just a quick, quick, like wrap up on the January 6th conversation, because I think we ended it well by saying the subpoena was cute. Um, We know that we're not going to get a response um, from Trump. He's actually put out a response today in a letter to um, Chairman Benny Thompson, basically starting it saying the 2020 election was rigged um, and stolen. And he put that in writing after they had already done literally all these hearings, laying out the facts that nothing about it was stolen, that this man has been plotting to deny and steal steal this election away from, you know, the folks who voted against him since the summer before the election of 2020. I guess my question to you two are, is it going to be difficult for us to make an argument for people to go out to vote to save democracy from people like Donald Trump? Like, cause we know for a fact that this does not resonate with the 83 million people who voted for Trump. Like, I mean, we, we saw some polling over the summer that said that there was some movement like even that there were Republicans that thought that Trump probably should be charged with something from the January 6th committee hearings. But, you know, like I said before, we really live in like a, like a 24 hour constant news cycle where our attention gets switched to the next topic so fast that we don't even like wake up and see the change. Like we go to bed and the next day it's like another crazy story. And that is what has our attention. You know, should they have done this hearing a week before the election? Like there are polls out there. I believe there was a political story that basically said that there is less than 25% of Democratic ads even talking about the January 6th committee hearings and that like Democratic candidates aren't even lifting this up. Do we think that this is going to have any impact on the midterm election? I think there's bigger issues that we can run on that'll have the, give them a bigger, a better chance at doing um, big numbers in the election. Like it seems like sometimes the Democratic Party uses the January 6th thing as like their diehard issue, which I understand because it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's just not the only issue that's people are dealing with in their everyday lives like it happened it's fucked up if we're going to do anything about it we need to send the man to jail like let's do what we need to do about it but should that be the only thing that you campaign on or should that be what you rely on your base to be excited about no because every day from january 7th on their life has not been affected by january 6th directly right their wages are affected their access to health care is affected their access to affordable housing is affected um inflation and a million other things that we can talk about um the lgbtq communities protections and human rights violations those things are being affected so there's other issues you can run on that people feel like are a direct impact on their life that's what they should be focusing more on, I think. Yeah, this is a problem with the Democratic Party as a whole, right? It's like 
you know, and this is coming from people that are Democrats. Like we are not like third party people like by any means. We think that that is a waste of time. But like we have to be critical in order to succeed. And, you know, I live in Nevada. I live in a very contentious state right now. And I love watching political ads. I watch a lot of political ads, but also I'm getting bombarded with political ads right now. And it's the same. Every Democrat, it's the same thing, right? Like they just use basically everything's good. Just don't vote for them, right? Everything's good. Just keep voting for us because everything's fine, right? Republicans are talking about inflation, overspending, um, the housing crisis, the fact that people can't afford gas. So like, I and I get it, like we shouldn't have to use fear but fear works, right? Like people want to know that things are going to get better. And the Democrats are not speaking to that. The Democrats are speaking to what's going right, which to be perfectly honest, is very little for the average person right now. So that's just what it is. That's just what it is. I mean, we have to like, and we've, we've gone to conferences. Like we see this all the time. It's not even just in political ads. It's in like the general messaging of the party. And as Trump is going to become, I honestly think more popular. I think like, I think that this this these hearings have only helped him and his popularity. Um, and I think like the issue, one of the biggest issues is that he's getting people that normally wouldn't vote to vote. Right. And that's even scarier, to be honest. And so instead of us being like, oh, hey, like what are Republicans doing right in that in this situation? Like, how are they advertising to people? How are they getting new voters to come into the fold? Instead of us like thinking about that, we're just thinking about. I don't know, nothingness, really. I mean, like, we're, we're not thinking about our strategy. And that's what we're trying to change. You know, we're really trying to think about new ways that we can bring new people in, just like Bernie did. Awesome. Awesome conversation, ladies. Okay, so let's talk, let's talk some more about the midterms and marijuana. Yeah, so, um, I know, right? <laughs> like, first of all, let's just say that President Biden is late to the game. I have been saying that he should have been addressing this day one. Like there are you can do you can walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> so you should have hit the ground like out the gate June on a whole lot of things. But he different didn't. But we've had some progress. So. President Joe Biden recently announced that he is going to be pardoning anyone who is in federal prison uh, for possession of marijuana and doesn't have any like any other violent crimes attached to them. Two, he's going to be asking his cabinet to look into marijuana schedule one status, which there is enough research analysis and there are so many states that have already legalized marijuana that he should not even have to ask his cabinet to move this off the schedule one list. He can actually do it the flick of a pen, just like he did student loan forgiveness, but we'll talk about that in a second. You know, what took him so long? Like what took him so long? This should have happened already. There should not be. He's asking the states to follow his lead. He's asking governors to follow his lead. But we all know every state does not have a Democratic governor. One, there are already states who have already done this, too. There are already states that have took it upon themselves to start to get rid of those things. Again, the old, the old man who wants to run for office again and be in the White House at the ripe age of 86. I, I had a 90 year old grandma. Rest in peace, grandmother. She, my grandmother, she just passed this year. She was 90. 
But she would tell me, she would tell me all day she don't want to be president of the United States. She liked being right where she was at home. So I cannot imagine an 86-year-old man. I mean, I am not saying my grandmother is like was off the rockers and wasn't coherent. She was still smart. She was still sharp as a whip. But the stress and just not being of this generation in 40, 50 years in office is the reason why we had him decide two years into his elect, you know, his office and literally four weeks, five weeks before the election to address something so easy. So what are y'all thoughts on marijuana, President Joe Biden waiting to the last minute? And I feel like it's like legal in Nevada, Z. <laughs> like, what? It is fully legal in Nevada. It is complete. It's been legal since 2017, mm. um, recreationally legal since 2017. And just this past year, they made $965 billion, million, million, million dollars in annual sales from marijuana. They passed on $147 million to the school district, which, by the way, is still in like, I think we're like 45 out of 50 states in education. So like that money really, really is helpful, right, to, to the education system. But it's just it, it literally and this is the problem that we continue to have. We're always 10 steps back. Like we're always we're always like taking a step forward, but we're 10 steps back. So the step forward is I mean, yes, like obviously this is going to be extremely helpful to a lot of people, but this should have been done before all these states legalized it. Well, how many states are legal? Like 30 out of 50 at this point? And there's more on the, so on the ballot? Literally. I mean, people are going into it is insane to me that. I, and I, I have to share a personal thing, right? I was in Kansas um, and don't ask me why I was in Kansas. I was driving through for a campaign because there's no other reason to be in Kansas. <laughs> but I was I was driving through Kansas. This was in 2015. Yeah, 2015, driving through Kansas and I got stopped for a joint, right? And they literally wanted to like lock me away and throw away the key. It, it was like this much of a joint. It was like a little, little joint. Um, and literally... I was literally less than 25 minutes from the border of Colorado, <laughs> which has legalized dispensaries, right? Like that is crazy. The fact that somebody can and like, thank God I'm white and thank God I was young and like cried and got out of it. Right. But like, I didn't get out of it in New York, but that's a different story. But um, it, it's just, it goes to show you how many people have been walked, locked away, right? Probably in the nineties, the early two thousands, I've been locked away for 20, 30, 40, even 50 years for weed when people are out here, white people making so much profit from it is the probably the most profitable industry in the entire country right now. And of, of course, like very, very few black owners of dispensaries, which is a whole other issue. Um, but it's just it, it doesn't make sense to me. So it's like, thanks, Biden. Thank you so much for doing what should have been done really when Obama first was elected, to be perfectly honest. Thanks. Yeah. Biden likes to do things whenever he feels like it's safe to do it. Like right. he is a very reactionary president and he's very, very scared that Republicans are going to be mad at him for stuff. And that's because if you look back on his history politically for 50 years, he has loved these Republicans down. They have been his bestie, bestie, buddy, buddies. The most Republican smoke. And they Literally. want to be one. <laughs> he legalized. But he, Biden is naive in a sense of he thinks like the principled Republicans from like the 1970s who actually were conservative are the Republicans of today. And he's he I think it literally just clicked to him like last week 
that this is a different Republican Party. These are not the same people. They are massive, massive hypocrites. So just ignore them and do what you think is best for the country. You're never going to get them on your side. They're never going to be your friend. They're never going to leave Trump. 99.9% of Republicans are devoted, devoted, devoted to their party. So instead of trying to win them over, focus on your base and independent voters and people who don't have a party that they align with one way or the other. Focus on those people. Quit trying to pretty much sabotage your own agenda and your own legacy by trying to appeal to these people who are never going to like you anyway. But what I don't understand, I, I tr- I'm not understanding why Democrats are so afraid to talk about issues that are literally bipartisan issues. Marijuana is a bipartisan issue. Like white men mostly smoke marijuana, right? Like almost <laughs> everybody knows that. Most white men are Republicans. So we can mm-hmm. assume, I mean, we don't have, there probably aren't a whole lot of studies on political party just yet, but like we can assume that this is not an issue for Republicans and nobody has ever overdosed from marijuana. So I know a lot of Republicans are scared of like drug crime, right? Like that's a big like thing, but people aren't robbing places when they're high on weed, right? Like yeah, that is not, that, that's just not happening. So it's Girl, not like sleep. I used to be sleep. It's so right. Right. Exactly. That's what you want to be. I, and the, it's the same thing with universal health care, right? Mm-hmm. Like these are bipartisan issues. It's the same thing with universal housing, yeah. bipartisan issues. So I don't understand this fear of like, oh, well, we can't talk about that. Like, but why not? He keeps like, playing these political games. He is worried about what the elected Republicans are going to think when he needs to be worried about what the ele- the Republican base, the voters are going to think. Because to keep it a big buck, the Republican electeds don't give a damn what their own base wants because they oftentimes vote against things that are popular with their base, such as the things that Z is talking about. They vote against it knowing that their base would enjoy it and benefit from it and really have no real problem with it. But because they're so bought and sold and they are going to always vote against the best interest of everyone but themselves, Biden be trying to align himself with them. And it's like, I understand those are the Republicans that you're around all the time because you're an elected, they're an elected, but those aren't the real Republican voters. So I think he just be trying so hard not to piss off the senators and the Congress folk, but those people aren't the people that you need to win over. Yeah, as if we need to be worried about what Marco Rubio thinks or... anymore but you know i mean it it is truly like ridiculous um to the point where it's i mean again like these things should be easy right like even student loan forgiveness i mean like the people that are upset by student loan forgiveness are like very old old republicans which is a very small percentage of the electoral base. Right now, millennials and Gen Z make up the majority of the electoral base. If only we would fucking vote, um, we would be able to actually change this country. Unfortunately, we don't. And that's why we're still getting outvoted. But if you look at the numbers, there are more millennials and Gen Z vote like that are eligible to vote than boomers and Gen Xers. So, and Gen Xers still, I mean, there's very like, I, I, I don't know. I, I need to read more studies on Gen Xers, but I think the Gen Xers are a lot easier to pull over to our side um, on especially on social issues. So I think like economic issues, maybe we'd have to you know do a little more work. But still, I mean, there's really no excuse for why we have the people in office that we have today. Not little. 
<laughs> Not little Marco. I, I, I forgot about him. But I think that you both made some really important points, and I'm happy that you kind of segued into student loan forgiveness because, you know, the haters are going to hate and they're definitely out there hating. And what, you know, what are your thoughts on the state of play with student loan forgiveness? I know there are a few states that are planning to sue, but I mean, we didn't sue when y'all gave rich people tax cuts. Like, where are y'all on those issues? It's it's literally ridiculous. It's like something out of like a comic book. Like <laughs> the Republican electors be doing stuff that's just like muhaha type of evil. Like why are we fighting against somebody getting their debt forgiven for money that you don't have to give them? It's not going to change your life, but it's like they the goal of the Republican Party a lot of the times is just to be an obstacle to the Democratic Party instead of looking at the best interest of their own base. Like they act like this bill or this measure was only going to affect Democrats. It was for everyone. It didn't. It's a Democratic uh, president passed it, but it was going to affect your own voters. So why are you taking money out of their pocket just because you don't like the president who passed it? Like that's dumb. Yeah, it really is. And it's like it's that saying that goes back. I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was George Carlin that was like. You, uh, you know, they want um, socialism for the rich, but, you know, everybody else, y'all don't get it right. And like, actually, we, we were just posted a video on uh, Biden today on this on our Instagram story about he's like, it's so interesting how, you know, I never get letters from Democrats asking for these big projects. But Paul <laughs> Bozar has sent me three letters asking for funded projects, like seems like socialism to me. And like he was listing mm-hmm. off like all of these Republicans that were asking for massive amounts of money for their state of things that like truly weren't even fucking important. But no, the second that you give something to people that aren't in what the top one percent of our country, then all of a sudden that it's an issue. So, yeah, I think that. I mean, one of the biggest problems, I think, with the student loan thing is that, unfortunately, I don't think that this is going to help a whole lot of people. I think it will help, like, well, first of all, they're making it, like, a lot stricter to actually get access to the 10000 And it's originally, it was 20000 right, because of the, um, what what are those loans? The, the Pell uh, Grant. The Pell Grant loans, right. So, like, it was going to be 10000 just wiped off, and then you get an extra 10000 for Pell Grant, which is super important because, you know, Pell Grant is assisting mostly minorities, people that have single mothers, um, you know, things like that. So, Uh, They're making it stricter. So unfortunately, not everybody's going to qualify. And then the people that do qualify, a lot of the times they have a lot more debt than that. And the interest continues to build. So it's like, if we're going to truly be fair here, like, let's just say like, fuck it, let's go with what Republicans say. Let's be really fair. Then wipe out interest off student loans. They should go into debt for what they actually spent like that. Like, I don't understand like why Republicans would even argue otherwise with that. Just the muhaha evilness, bro. <laughs> like I, whenever I try to like think about any or find any logic in why these Republicans do certain stuff, there's really no reason for it. Like it's just, just because, just to be to terrorize people. I don't know, but it's weird. They want to live their values, so like their values should be that 
you know, you pay back what you spend. Like that should be right. Like we're all meant to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. So like, why are people sitting here with 20% fucking interest rates on their loans? Like that's mm-hmm. literally, that is predatory. It's, yeah. it's not, it's not right. Girl, let's not even get into the conversation about like Christian values and how they want, how they claim to walk in the Christian faith, yet they are willing to walk past the homeless and not spend money on making sure that we have housing for the homeless. They don't care if people are spending $2,000 on EpiPens that they're forced to get because of their allergies. They don't want to negotiate prescription drug costs because they don't care if a senior citizen goes bankrupt trying to pay for prescriptions that they need. Like it's insane. But to kind of get back on subject, as as political operatives, right, we know that sometimes a few percentage points tips the scales. And Mm -hmm. even though Gen Z's Um, Gen Xers, millennials may not vote at the clip we should to like literally take this thing over, which we could if we wanted to, but we aren't. Um, We know that a few percentage points, like if we we vote two, three more percentage points above what we have, we literally change the direction of an election. Do you think that even though we're not reaching a ton of people with student with student loan forgiveness, we're going to be reaching enough to get folks to come out to vote to be able to keep control of the Senate or, you know, keep a house seat from flipping to a crazy psycho. See, I, that's, that's what I think their Biden's goal was, right. It was like, we just need to get enough people out. I, I don't know if this is going to do it. Like I, I really, I don't think it's going to affect enough people to tip the scales. And I don't know if they're going to be inspired enough, especially looking at the interest that their loans have probably built up over time. Like, you know, I mean, if you have $110,000, right, in student loans, which a lot of people have over six figures, I have over six figures in student loans, right? Like if you have that much in student loans and you've had $20,000, $30,000 that have built up over interest in 10 years that you've been since you've graduated and somebody goes and gives you 10 grand, I mean, it's like, cool but like is that going to be your inspiration to get up and go vote I I don't know I mean I think like it'll be interesting to see like how many people will do it but like I don't think if that's what we're relying on to get people out that's dangerous that's a that's that's a dangerous game yeah they definitely need to come a little harder I know like for some of the people the smaller people who were able to pay some off and maybe they only got 30,000 in loans 10 can take away a third for them. But yeah, for me, I'm literally just going to do it so I can help my debt to income ratio a little bit because I too have six figures in it. So the little bit that I can get, I'm going to take. But I do feel like Biden should have been doing these incremental things over the past two years because us who is uh, woke, as they like to call it, um, can tell that this is a political strategy and it's not something that he just from the bottom of his heart desperately wanted to do. Like, had he been doing, again, because I understand he can't wave a magic wand and do big monumental life-changing things all at once, but had he been doing some of these small things like the marijuana, the $10,000, maybe lowering the age of Medicare from 60 to 55, doing small things over the past few years that we could be able to look back at Biden's uh, first um, time in office as a president and be like, you know what? He did some stuff. He kind of, he had it down. He took care of a few things. All right, I, I, I fuck with that. 
But now that he's doing it all at the last minute, three weeks out from the midterms, it's a little suspicious. Yeah, suspicious. Unfortunate. I I agree with you. There are so many things um, that people have brought up. The one I want to say, Andrew Sorkin um, said, you know, on one of the morning shows that student loan forgiveness is a good thing for the folks who get the benefit of it, but he's still not addressing the high cost of education, period. Like these are for-profit education institutions. They're incrementally raising prices. Uh, every year to go to these schools. Elizabeth Warren said when she went to college, it was like $500 a semester. Now it's, depending on the school, $20,000, dollars $60,000 a semester to get a certain level of education, which really means to get certain names of education so that when you go out into the workforce, you can leverage those names uh, to get the jobs that pay you well enough to be able to pay those student loan debts um, back. And also just mentioned, it was a young lady who was on like CNN over the summer who, you know, said that she was really upset when she received an email from the Democratic Party that said, go vote after abortion when, you know, we've given you the majority in Congress and you just haven't codified Roe v. Wade um, through legislation. Like, you know, these are big issues. They're really important. They really benefit us. But it sounds like we're all um, hoping that it's not too little too late. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. That's sad. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, to end the show, uh, I'm going to ask you both the question that I'm going to ask everyone uh, as we head out into the world and have these conversations with our friends. But um, why is this election so important? Like, why should folks go out to vote for the midterm, you know, in, in this midterm election? Um, I think it's important for us to be able to hold the house. The house is in jeopardy. Um, So holding that is going to be critical to Biden's last two years being worth the damn. If we lose the house, I fear he ain't going to be able to do really much else. And it's going to be a gigantic L for the Democratic Party. And it's going to make an easier case for Trump to come back and win in 2024. And if he wins in 2024, Democracy, as we know, I know people think it's funny when we say that it's quite literally true. (laughs) Democracy, as we know, it will no longer exist anymore. So that's what's on the line. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I think like I think it's so important that people go out and more so even I think it's important that like we as operatives work on giving people a reason to go out, you know, and, and that's really what we're doing at Seoul and like what we're doing in our collaboration work in Texas with the Texas Organizing Project, getting the vote out for Beto um, and other candidates that are down the ticket because, you know, we have to give Republicans, we have to give tr- the Trump folks something to be scared of. And I think that if we, if everybody stays in mm-hmm. this election, um, we're going to really, it, it, not only is are we going to potentially lose democracy, but I think like it could get even worse than that. Like we could literally go into a damn civil war. So like we need to be so cautious about, and it, you know, we need, and that's what, you know, we're talking to people at the doors about of like, okay, it might not be important for you specifically to go out and vote, but like who in your life is this important for? And I'm sure that you can name multiple people in which this is very important. So yeah, uh, th- you know, this is a big part of the work that we do. We also, we need more operatives to get out there. 
um, as we build towards 2024. So if people want to be trained to become an operative, if you want to work in fundraising, if you want to work in, um, you know, digital work, if you want to do field work, like come to us and we will help you get prepped so that you can help us get out the vote. Awesome. So if people want to know more about Soul Strategies, where do they go? soulstrategies.com and you can even go to soulstrategies.com now <laughs> yeah we can yeah just soulstrategies.com yep social media handles soul strategies i think it's just soul strategies They're all on social, social media yeah mm-hmm. instagram is soul.strategies um yeah, yeah. But yeah, you can find our, find our podcast. Um, you can come to our free webinars. You don't have to have money. Um, mm-hmm. if you are just like a person that wants to get involved in this work. Like we do free webinars. We're going to be doing one in a couple of weeks where we go over how to create a fundraising plan and a digital plan and a field plan for your campaign. So yeah, we highly encourage people, even if they don't have money to sign up for our email list and get free information. Awesome. All right. Well, I want to say thank you to everybody who chimed in um, and decided to listen to this podcast. As you all know, you can find me, Kina Zontel, on the gram. I am trying to get an argue with your mama, not me, um, TikTok, just so I can talk a little get a little spicy. Um, but again, if you want to hear a little bit more, if you want to hear a spicier side to politics, Come, come holler at us at Argue With Your Mama, Not Me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, it's your girl, Kina Zontel, signing out. Have a nice weekend. Bye. 